welcome, 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 everybody, to episode 39 of Weekly Roundup with Ricky. Uh, we're going to dive right into our project updates first because we have a lot of them. Uh, we're going to start off with the biggest piece of news, which, again, um, if you have been active in the past week in Discord, you already know this. But if, in case you haven't and you're listening to the recording or listening to live, TCFX, which is the crowdfunding platform and the company behind the revenue generation aspect of MetaLeon Society. The LLC has officially been registered as of the 6th of June. So pretty excited for us as MetaLeon Society because this has happened in the most highly regulated uh, area in the world for tokenization, which is Switzerland. So having the company registered over there and if you're interested and if you're a nerd like me because what i did was i went into discord and then i clicked on the link that alex had shared uh, and you go to the official website of the government which shows you all the registered companies you can see the details of the companies that we have registered so um, again dyor it's good to listen to the highlights but also go back and fact check yourself and have any questions go ahead and ask because that's always cool i love when people ask like questions about things that we're doing and why we're doing um so yeah tcfx is officially registered which has been a huge pain if you remember antonio having to jump through some hoops with the permit and the dna samples and all that so finally it's all done so congratulations to the leon family um, and then if you were also present in the town hall, you know it took place last week. Alex Antonio went over all the major developments in the past few weeks and months, actually, uh, on the DCFX side of things and the future plans with the company and MetaLeon Society. So um, I, I am going to try to cover some of the highlights of uh, things that they talked about for June. I know they started from, I think, somewhere around April. Um, everybody that's been listening to the weekly roundup, they already know everything that was covered. But again, there were some nice bits of uh, nuggets of uh, quality information. So if you want to take a look at all of those, they are in the announcements section. Um, Alex put up a really nice uh, detailed report uh, as a PDF that you can download and, and read in your free time. I personally enjoyed reading that when I was on my way back from my trip. Um, it was awesome. Looking at the amount of work that has gone in month by month and how that has just increased over time, it's just so much. I have so much more appreciation that I already had for these guys for the work that they've been putting in um, for this stuff because it's not easy. It's like it can easily overwhelm um, a Web3 founder to know how much groundwork needs to happen before you even start uh, being active uh, with your product. Uh, but these guys look at it like making sure the foundation is strong and nice so that whenever you build on top of that foundation, whatever building you build on top of that, that's like going to be there for like years to come. So I love that they're taking due diligence and being very, very meticulous about everything. Uh, the Leaks Garden Party um, was 
uh, leaks, leaks, actually, I keep calling it leaks, but it's leaks. So um, the garden party that Alex and Antonio were invited to, as you remember, that garden party was only um, only the big players were invited to that party, but they made a, made an exception for Alex and Antonio. And I'm assuming they did that because they see a ton of potential in them just like we do. Um, so it was a major success for them. They got to network with uh, founders uh, of other incredible projects. Uh, they built some strong connections of people who are influential in the industry and in the government. So that was really cool because uh, New Chateau area is like a very like close knit area. And that is like an economic zone, especially for blockchains and tokenization. So it's, it's really cool that they're building, they're making their name heard in that small group. Cause you know how the elites walk around. They, everybody knows everybody. So if they're getting invited to all these like, big parties and uh, people networking. I think that's that's pretty cool. Um, so on the uh, first client side of things for Medellin, uh, for TCFX, uh, as you already know, Kind of Blue is Michelle Konizinski's company. He's been wanting to raise funds for it. And after talking to Alex Antonio, seeing what they're building, he has been non-stop like excited to get started on everything so if you know um in order to um, custody people's funds and for us to be able to function uh, using tcfx and custody funds we will need the sro license and that's something that could take between three to four months so what have alex and antonio done instead of waiting for the license and letting this great opportunity go because KOB is targeting to raise around 500k uh, Swiss francs, which is an incredible amount for a first client. Like imagine starting off, um, imagine starting with that amount with the first client. So I knowing that we cannot custody funds, but um, KOB is very excited to use our platform to raise the funds. So what we're going to be doing uh, is called a hybrid approach and this is what i love about alex antonio they always find a way to make things work if there's something holding them back they'll still find a way to do it instead of like waiting around for that hurdle to pass um so what's going to happen is they have officially signed a tech provider contract with kind of blue and what it's going to do is the model is going to change a little bit for this client. So KOB is going to directly receive the funds that they're going to raise through our TCFX platform. Um, and we're also under, under consideration of trying to sign a contract with them for this fundraising where we're going to have a incremental commission contract. So the larger the percentage of funds, the larger the amount of funds that we raise through the platform for this, uh, the higher the fees and the higher the commission that we're going to get out of the fundraise. So uh, it will it will be not only good for our company's uh, portfolio to start off this strong with such a strong company and such a strong person behind the company, but also good for the treasury to finally social, uh, show some some cash flow for the business. So a lot of businesses can't even show a profit in like six or seven months or even a year. So seeing that these guys are so aggressive about making sure that 
we get projects under our belt this early we haven't even launched and they already have a client lined up which is amazing so once things get on the road and we have the sro license we'll have more flexibility to do more things but until then this will be an incredible opportunity to get uh to get tcfx up and running and learn from that and keep keep tweaking things right so that's pretty cool um the next piece is the pitch deck that alex and tony have been working on for the investors and the projects that want to raise funds on both sides of things they have finished the text side of things they've they've completed uh whatever needs to go into the pitch deck now they're working with the design team um to make it look nice because you know MetaLeon and TCFX branding is on point and we want to make sure everything that we deliver um, from marketing material to pitch deck and everything needs to be on brand with TCFX. The last piece of news is another incredible event that uh, Alex and Antonio got invited to. Alex's friend is like somebody who works at the UBS bank. So if you don't know what UBS bank is, UBS is one actually at this point, the largest bank in Switzerland, because they've recently just acquired Credit Suisse, which collapsed, if you remember. Uh, so UBS has incredible, I would say the most connections in Switzerland at this point, I would say. So Alex Antonio got invited to this event um, where there's going to be major CEOs and angel investors that are going to be present. This event is on the 29th of June, so they're very excited to e form even more connections, meet even more people, tell them about our platform. So this should be very eventful as well. So look forward to hearing about that event from these two guys. Um, all right, so with that, uh, we are through with our project updates and we have a lot more on the market side as well a lot has been happening in the past week or so so we're gonna start off with uh, incumbents piling into crypto so who are the incumbents incumbents are big companies that have been in the financial space for a long time like major banks major fintech companies that have a huge stake um in the financial market so What's been happening lately? BlackRock, who, which happens to be the largest um, fund manager in the world, I think they have over $10 trillion under management. And yes, that is trillion with a T, and that's a ton of money. That's like GDP of like um, India, China, like GDP of the top top three countries, excluding excluding the U.S. combined. So that's how big BlackRock is. So BlackRock has filed for a Bitcoin ETF. And why is that news a big deal? Because BlackRock has a history of being approved more than 450 times for ETFs. So if they've filed, they filed for more than 450 ETFs. And the only time they got, they got rejected was one time so out of the 450 plus times they have only been rejected for an etf application once and who's going to be approving this etf application it's the sec so why am i not surprised this is happening is because what's what follows is even more insane investco and freedom tree again these two are also giant giant investment firms like wisdom tree has people from like bigger corporations like uh charles schwab 
um, JP Morgan, like all these ex executives from these big banks. And these two have also right after BlackRock filed for its ETF, they filed for their ETF literally the next day. So, um, as I was like getting ready to just finish up my notes and everything, Fidelity has been now rumored and Fidelity, by the way, has over $4 trillion in management. So Fidelity is another big player in the financial markets and they're being rumored to acquire Grayscale. And if you know, Grayscale is one that um, they sued the SEC for uh, not having a good reason to deny their uh, Bitcoin ETF. So it's been very obvious at this point, now that I look at all the data that I've collected and all the information that I have from over the months, SEC's goal is very simple. Stop the startups, give crypto market to the incumbents. So these Black Rocks, these Fidelities, this Charles Schwab, SEC just wants to hand over the crypto industry to these existing players and not make a level playing field. So the existing companies um, that have been in crypto, the service providers like the exchanges, they're getting sued by the SEC while these um, incumbents are now filing for their Bitcoin ETFs. So what Fidelity is trying to do is trying to acquire Grayscale so that they can jump into the Bitcoin ETF journey um, because Grayscale already has a Bitcoin ETF, uh, has a trust that they're trying to turn into an ETF, but SEC keeps denying them. So hopefully that lawsuit lawsuit ends pretty soon so they can have some clarity. I know the SEC is getting sued by so many people. I know Coinbase is suing them. I know the Ripple lawsuit is almost to an end. So it's not looking good for the SEC. All this this agenda that Gary Gensler has been pushing, like, oh, all these cryptocurrency companies are not regulated. They need to come in and register with me. Even the Congress is calling out his bluff. They can see that this guy doesn't care about registration because he hasn't put out any new rules. And you know, the crypto industry is not the same as the 1930s. So you cannot use rules from the 1930s to, uh, to help make companies register with the SEC. It's just not going to happen. Um, so the next big piece was EDX is a crypto exchange, which is backed by Schwab, which is another big bank and Fidelity. It has finally gone live. And when does this happen? Right after a week after the SEC sues Binance and Coinbase. And if you listen to me last week, the judge called out the bluff on the SEC when the SEC wanted to seize all the assets of Binance. And when the judge asked them, like, what proof do you have that they're commingling funds of the users? The SEC couldn't come up with a, uh, with a good reason. And the judge was like, if you don't have a good reason for me to pass this judgment, uh, you have to work with Binance and come out with a solution. And Binance was happy to do that. So um, even the judges can see through the to the crap that SEC is putting out there uh, just to slow down the startups so that the incumbents can catch up and take over the market. The last piece of news uh, from the incumbent side of things is right after I was again done with putting up my notes, literally late last night, Deutsche Bank, which is one of the largest banks in Europe, 
has applied for a digital asset custody license. And why is that important? This is the playbook of all the banks. The first, first they try to get the license to custody your crypto. Second, they're going to get a license to become an exchange. Third, they're going to be a bank that lets you trade crypto on your banking app. That's as simple as that. They know there's a bunch of people out there that don't want to use a hard, hard, hardware wallet, that don't know how seed phrases work, that don't know how to protect their own funds, that don't understand the value behind crypto, like it's a way to store your own money without the interference or trusting a third party. Some people just want to look at it like an investment. So they trust their bank. So they would rather have their crypto in a bank than have it secured in their hardware wallet and in, under their control. So that's okay. That's, that's the mass adoption piece. And I'm okay with that. If, if people want to go that way, that's good for them. We are the ones that are early. We understand how important it is to custody your own funds, looking at all the banks that have been collapsing left and right over the past few months. But it's okay. We're always going to be uh, the minority because not everybody wants to invest time and energy into educating themselves as to why crypto is important and the use cases. Those that want to speculate and try to make money and invest in it, that's that's okay too. We need those people for the market to go up. That's That's how it works in every industry. Some people buy gold because they really like gold or they want to buy make jewelry out of it. Some people buy gold just for the speculative side of it. They, they're buying gold because they hope the price goes up over time. It happens in every industry. So it will happen to crypto as well. So I'm not surprised. Um, but I'm excited. I'm happy and also pretty worried that all these incumbents are jumping into crypto. I'm happy because when you take somebody like BlackRock and they put out an ETF and looking at their history, I'm pretty sure their ETF application, their ETF will be the first ETF, Bitcoin ETF in the US. Because I know Australia and uh, what is the other country? Uh, I think Canada, I think Australia and Canada already have Bitcoin and Ethereum ETFs. Uh, but U.S. has none right now. So I think BlackRock being the first in this space is going to bring a huge vote of confidence to institutional investors. And they're going to pile in a bunch of money into this industry. And it's just going to skyrocket the market cap of the whole industry. Right now, crypto sitting at, what, one, one and a half trillion dollar market cap. I can easily see us reach five trillion dollars after the Bitcoin ETF is approved. And then once other ETFs get approved, we can jump to 10 trillion in no time. So again, not price speculation, but I do know that I looked at the graph of um, graph of gold. So when gold had its first ETF approved, the price spiked like crazy. So I'm assuming similar action once the Bitcoin ETF gets approved. The only negative side, you guys know me, if I'm bullish on something, I'm also going to share the other side of the story so you guys are prepared and not get too emotional or greedy. So um, the downside of having these big institutional uh, incumbents come in to crypto and try to take over the industry is these guys don't care about anything. They do not care about ethics. They do not care about the well-being of the markets. They do not care about people. They just care about making money. And what is the way that people make money? The only way you can make money all the time 
is to control the market. So they know that crypto is a small market right now. So they have been buying Bitcoin pretty cheap. I've been tracking BlackRock. They've been buying Bitcoin like crazy while Gary Gensler has been going around suing everybody and scaring off the retail investors. And that's their playbook. They scare off the common people and then they buy up everything and sell the same thing back to you with a stamp of approval. The same Bitcoin that's worth $20,000, they are going to sell it back to you for $50,000 on their ETF and people are going to buy it like crazy. And that's how it works every time. Uh, because now people trust this asset all of a sudden because BlackRock is behind it. But BlackRock and all these big banks, they have a history of manipulating markets. Like I know JP Morgan pays millions of dollars in fines every year for manipulating markets. Like um, multiple banks have been trying to manipulate markets. So I'm pretty sure they're going to try to do that to uh, the digital asset class as well. So expect a lot of volatility on both sides up and down know that they're going to try to dump on people they're going to try to skyrocket the market on people nobody would be able to know what's going to happen so just be ready for what's going to happen a lot of volatility is coming because these guys know how to manipulate markets they've been doing it for years and years they have experience in it and nobody can stop them because they have the money. They can always pay the fines and the profits they make are always larger than the fines. So it's all worth it in the end for these guys. So it's what it is. Um, last piece of news on the incumbents versus the startups. So Coinbase sued the SEC to get some clarity. If you've been following the SEC, they have not been giving any rules to the industry. And then they've been suing companies. So Coinbase sued SEC back after SEC sued Coinbase, which is funny. Um, so the court is, again, another court uh, called out the BS on the SEC and gave them a final ultimatum of 120 days. And within these 120 days, the SEC has to provide uh, clarity and has to answer the questions that Coinbase has asked around the clarity in the digital markets. So this should be really good because it's one of those rules where SEC cannot come back in 120 days and say we need more time. This is one of the rules where they have to provide a, a substantial response to the judge. Um, and if they don't do that, um, the judge might just like not give value to the to the lawsuit that's been going on between SEC and Coinbase. Moving on, we're going to talk about some central bank digital currencies and some regulation news. Uh, the Colombian Central Bank has partnered with Ripple. Yeah, Ripple, the same company the SEC is suing uh, for having no utility for the XRP token, which is funny because... Literally, I see one news a piece of news a week of Ripple partnering with some central bank or some major bank to use XRP for cross-border payments. So Colombia's central bank is partnering with Ripple to explore use cases for blockchain. So this is going to be an early experimental test in a sandbox. So nothing, it's not going to touch any of the existing financial markets in Colombia, but um, it is huge news for Ripple because uh, they have been trying to get into the central bank digital currency markets and uh, the XRP ledger is pretty, fa pretty fast. So 
uh, it's good stuff. So hopefully they find some match and they're able to use their technology to power payment systems within their country and come up with a central bank digital currency that is good for the people, also protects their privacy, and you can program the money. So hopefully they can create a good blueprint because I'm yet to see a good blueprint across the world for any central bank digital currencies. If you've been listening to me for the past few months, you know that I've been covering each and every country that is putting efforts and every country in the world at this point is considering a central bank digital currency. So it's not about if, it's about when. Uh, it's all going to happen. It's going to come to your country as well. Um, so luckily, we have a head start. We know how this works. We have been in crypto, so we know how digital currencies work. So we will have a head start on everybody else. And we will also know how to pro protect our rights and protect our privacy and balance things out if the government tries to overreach we know we have an option in bitcoin and other cryptos so yeah it's uh crypto is preparing us for what central banks are going to be bringing in terms of technology so it's it's all good stuff um next one is coming from singapore so the monetary authority of singapore mas has released a proposal and it's like a white paper really uh, for a common protocol to specify conditions for the use of different digital currencies, so like CDB, CBDCs and stable coins. Um, so how to explain this? So if you use the internet today, so there's something called TCP IP, um, and that is the protocol that we use today to transfer information on the internet. So it's like a common standard that the founders of the internet came up with so that we can have some standard practices around how data is transferred across the internet. Um, since blockchain is another layer on top of the internet and it's the monetary layer, it's important to come up with standards. So each country is coming up with their own, which is interesting. Um, but I hope all countries can agree on a specific standard and everybody uses it uh, so that there's more mass adoption because after TCP IP, the internet adoption just like skyrocketed. So I think having a good protocol that everybody can understand and make sense and people can use um, for development, I think that's going to be pretty good. So why is this important and why am I sharing this with you? The paper that they wrote is not just written in a silo, like Singapore just didn't sit down and decide on this. They have partnered with the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, which everybody knows that they're like the big, big daddy of the financial markets. Like they dictate terms to countries. Um, so IMF, Banca d'Italia, uh, which is like, I think the Italian central bank um, and Bank of Korea. So they partnered with all these people uh, and some big giants in the fintech industry. So they took a lot of responses from people in the industry and in the government to come up with this. So this is a very comprehensive paper. I'm going to try to read it over the weekend because um, I'm a nerd and I like to learn about what countries are thinking, what kind of standards are happening coming up in this space because it, it helps me project where we're going to be in the next five to ten years. So um, 
it's just how my brain functions. So uh, I'm pretty excited for this. Looks like it's some good development coming out of uh, Singapore, Switzerland and Singapore. I say that all the time. And number three, I would say the UAE. These three countries are are like literally pushing the limits on um, the crypto and uh, blockchain industry. They're really, really adopting it like crazy. And I, I love to see that. So um, next up, we're going to talk about adoption. Um, the European Investment Bank has tapped uh, blockchain for climate awareness bonds. And we've been talking about bonds coming to the blockchain. Um, I know, I think China used recently used Ethereum to uh, give out certain bonds or tokenize some of the bonds. And you know, we're in the tokenization business. So we know this industry is going to go crazy pretty soon. Um, so the so this climate awareness bond um, is going to be issued in the Swedish Krona currency. And they're going to be using a blockchain platform for digital bonds that incentivizes pro-environment actions for its node providers. So like I think there's a platform they have built a platform on top of a blockchain, which is like specific to protecting the environment. So like uh, green initiatives and the node operators, the people that are running the blockchain, they get incentivized for pro-environment action. So it's kind of a carbon neutral or even carbon negative blockchain. So it's it's kind of good to see that the governments and banks are starting to use blockchain in all these variety of things like it's not only issuing bonds but it's also uh bringing more greenery to planet earth like incentivizing good behavior uh for pro environment um so it's kind of good um the uh, last piece of news for today and again an adoption is while the us is going nuts suing um companies left and right pushing innovation offshores. Hong Kong um, has been oddly very pro-crypto lately, which is insane. Recently, um, the officials in Hong Kong, they pressured some of the big giant banks like HS HSBC, Standard Charter, Bank of China. They pressured them to answer as to why they're not accepting crypto clients. As you know, in the US, uh, the banks, the Fed is trying to get banks to unbank some of the crypto businesses like Silvergate closed down. Um, I think there was another bank that closed down um, that was working with crypto companies. Uh, nobody's trying to take them on as clients. And in in uh, in Hong Kong, the officials are actually forcing these banks to take on crypto clients, which is incredible. Like hats off to Hong Kong for being so pro crypto. Like that's that's the beauty of blockchain, guys. That's what I try to tell everybody. Just because one country doesn't like something about crypto, it doesn't mean the industry is going anywhere. There's always going to be somebody in the world that is going to see the opportunity behind this. And they'll know the value, the innovation, um, and the companies that are going to come over, the the monetary benefits, the the benefits to the economy, everything. Even tourism, El Salvador, which was a country that nobody visited, Ever since they made Bitcoin a legal tender, and they're also working on a Bitcoin city at this point, tourism has popped off in that country. And now they're like issuing bonds. And um, I know IMF tried to bully them into saying, like, if you want money from us, 
you have to not accept Bitcoin. And the president literally <laughs> showed them the middle finger and said, I'm going to go my way and I'm going to trust a currency that no one else can use to um, basically bully us. Uh, it's the reason the US dollar is declining in um, the global reserves and countries are trying to move away from it because they've seen that it's no more a global currency for trade that is open and transparent. It's being used as a political tool to dictate terms to people that that are not on the good side of the US. So if you start using currency as a political weapon, people are going to move away from it. People want to be part of something that is open, has a level playing field, and everybody can get access to it easily. And what is that currency? Bitcoin, straight up. There's no other currency that's more transparent um, and more available and more balanced than Bitcoin in terms of economics. So you could, there's no way you can change my mind on that. There's no currency on this planet that is better than Bitcoin right now. Sure, Bitcoin has problems like it's slow and all that stuff, but that's that's just technical problems. With innovation, it's going to get better. The adoption is going to grow. The speed is going to grow. It's going to be fine. What matters is the underlying philosophy behind the currency. And, and we know the philosophy behind Bitcoin is preserving your wealth as um, the currencies of countries erode the value, hard-earned money, like the dollar, $10, what $10 bought you in 1970 is nowhere close to what $10 gets you today. So it's not that things are getting expensive, it's the currency that is getting devalued with all the free money printing that is happening. Um, the US debt hit a all-time high of $32 trillion. The GDP of the US, I think, is like 27 or 25. When the overall debt um, goes over your GDP, that's a pretty bad sign. So I'm hoping uh, US can get its act together and um, create an open market like it did for the internet. The only reason US is where it is today is because the internet regulations that they passed were so open that people wanted to come to the US to start their in internet companies. So if, if the US government acted like they're acting right now with crypto during the internet era, the Ubers and uh, the Ubers, the Airbnbs, the um, internet, Facebooks, the Nvidia, like all these big like tech giants, like they would not have been founded in the US, they would be somewhere else. And that's what we're seeing right now. All of these innovations are moving offshore to other countries. So um, I know a ton of startups have moved to Dubai because of the pro-crypto stands and 0% tax that they have. Uh, Switzerland is another one. And that's why our founders are based out of Switzerland. That's why the company is based out of Switzerland, because the regulations are clear. They know that once the government like approves you, you're, you're in the clear. You don't, you don't have to worry about some regulatory body coming after you after like three or four years of operation, like, hey, by the way, you broke the law four years ago. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of where things are with everything. I want to thank you all for being here. And I want you all to have a wonderful rest of your day. And I'm going to see you all next week. Mm -hmm.